Welcome to the EarFluence podcast, a podcast about podcasting from a podcast production company. I'm Cece, um, also known as the Swiss Army Knife at EarFluence. And today we're going a little bit off the rails because it's just me. Jason is not here. So I'm really excited about today, though. We're going to talk about um, podcasting for higher education, which is something that I know a thing or two about because I actually used to do UNC Chapel Hill's podcast. And my guest today is Jenny Hammond. Yes. And so are you the chief marketing officer at college? Yes, Yes. I am. That's what they tell me Um, (laughs) most days. Some days I don't want to be, but most days I am. Yes. Right. <laughs> so before we get started here, tell me a little bit about like how you got to pool college, what your career looked like before that, what made you want to start a podcast if you'd done it before, just kind of background, things like that. Well, I'll give the really brief version of that also because when I start to think about my career, then I realize how old I am. <laughs> That's never any fun. But I've primarily spent most of my 20 years in higher ed. I I ventured out a couple times, twice to see what the real world was like and came right back running back to higher ed more like it because I just love the mission of what higher ed is and we get to do some really neat things. But um I actually started my career in admissions. I gave tours, um very proud, two-time Appalachian State grad. Yes, go Nears. Yes. Um, it's hard around this area because a lot of blue and red around here, not a lot of black and gold. But I gave tours and loved it and loved kind of helping people find more things about the university and the connection with admissions. And I stuck around and did a master's and um, kind of started me on my path. And I, I literally tell people I came down off the mountain and mm-hmm. kind of went through universities and then landed here in the triangle. And I will be at NC State five years in March. I'd say about more than half of the time of the higher ed has been in B schools, specifically grad. And this last role, I've been able to do a little bit more. So it's um it's a dynamic market. As a marketer, it's been really fun to see um, how higher ed has really, quite frankly, embraced the concept of marketing in the last several years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was always kind of this thing that you knew you needed to have, but nobody really wanted to invest in it. Right. But I think with the rise of social media and digital marketing, higher ed's come to their senses. Um, so I, I tell people, especially a lot of um, my team members who are young and starting their career in marketing, that there's a path to here for them. And this is something that they can do long term if they really want to. And there's so many different directions you can go in higher ed and marketing. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I got here. Um, some by accident, a little bit of luck. And right people who believed in me and took a chance on me at a lot of different points in my career, which is pretty cool. That's kind of like the magic combination though, is like some preparation, a little bit of luck and a couple good people and you end up where you're supposed to be. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I'm at that age, um, Cece, you're young, which is a <laughs> thing, but I've been doing a lot of reflecting now in my life. And I think back to people who were so influential in my career and, mm-hmm. you know, I think about that. And so now when I, work with my team or interns or just people come to me and ask me about marketing. I try to remember how valuable that was to me at those different stages of my career. And so it's important to kind of continue to, I would strong word to say mentoring, um, but right. Advice giving maybe. Yeah. And just encouraging people to kind of take chances, even when it's even uncomfortable. Right. Something that I hear a lot of our hosts talk about is having like your circle of trust or like people around you who, you know, you can go to and like, say, 
is this a good idea? And they can be like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's not a good idea. Or yes, go for it because they've been through that situation before something similar and they can give you better yeah. advice. Yeah. And that's, that's great too. Um, and I would say that streams even more for professional advice and personal advice. Mm-hmm. So having a good combination of people that know you personally and professionally and know you where you want to be. And I think those kind of people will always be a part of your journey no matter what. And I know I value the ones that tell me the hard truth, even when I don't want to hear it, but they're the ones that you're right. I absolutely turn to when I, when I need advice. Definitely. I want to go back to something that you said, you talked about how schools have realized that marketing is really important, like with the rise of social media and digital marketing, Mm -hmm. particularly. And that's obviously very true because now going to college or university is more of like a common step than it used to be. It used to be like, well, are you going to go to college after high school? Some people would say, no, they would go and learn a trade. And some people would say, yes, they would. But now it's almost expected like middle school, high school, college Mm -hmm. or university. And because of that, it's not only students that are competing to get in, it's universities that are competing to get students. So like, why are you the best business school versus this business school over here? You need to make sure that you're communicating that to people. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge of that? Yeah. Lots of challenges some days. Um, I think it's interesting you put it in that perspective because a lot of times it goes back to just, this is, I'm, my colleagues in higher ed would probably bot me on the head when I say this, but, <laughs> you know, a lot of what we do in the B-School market, especially um, with graduate programs like MBA, you're, you're working around lead generation. So you're trying to mm-hmm. develop interest and, um, you know, for lack of better terms, you've got a product that people want. And you have to differentiate yourself in the market. And our education is no different than any other industry. It just took us a while to catch up to what everybody else was doing. And you have to think about your consumers. You think about it's not just the student, it's the parent um, Mm -hmm. as well. So you're looking at two different perspectives, especially if you're in an undergraduate environment. And universities, they do a lot to market themselves to be consumer savvy, I think, um, Mm -hmm. for specific names of, of universities out there. But when students are taking tours, they're showing them, you know, the, the really shiny workout place and all the cool places you can eat on campus and how awesome the residence halls are. That's that's marketing 101, right? I mean, that's product um, placement in a lot of ways. And so there's there's a lot of ties there. I think also to CC, what I found in public universities, I've had the privilege of working in both private and public. And the public university systems now, we're having to grow our own food, which is not something we've done a lot in the past. Mm -hmm. We've been heavily, heavily subsidized by government funding. And so we don't have that support as much as we used to. So so schools are really having to find unique ways to to support the, the many efforts that they are able to do for their students. And so when you think about building a brand, either for a university or a college like Poole, you're thinking about not only the, the pipeline for prospective students, you're thinking about a pipeline for prospective employers for those students. Mm-hmm. And then you're also thinking about a pipeline um, for prospective donors. So there's a lot to think about and yes. um, so many different angles. And I think that's what continues to fascinate me about higher ed. What frustrates me about higher ed and marketing sometimes is we are very 
slow. Yes. I we do remember that. Wall along to get there. <laughs> and uh, me personally, I'm a, you know, I try to get things done very quickly. Right. The bureaucracy of a higher ed system is really, For really, really sure. Yeah. Going from working at a university to working at a startup, I was like, you mean I can just click this button whenever I want and then I can just post things? Like I don't have to have four people read it before I can like tweet this one yes. thing. Yes. And, and purchasing, just thinking about purchasing, you know, my role, yeah. we work with a lot of freelancers and the biggest difference between a private and public university from, from my seat is if I wanted a freelancer, when I was at a private university, I just hired the freelancer, right? Public university, you have to do the bid, you have to go through layers mm-hmm. of approval. And so I get it because you're spending tax dollars of, of the, of the people of the state of North yes. Carolina. So there has to be some accountability there, but does not make it any easier for sure. Yes. Cause sometimes by the time you get that person that you need, what you needed them for is like almost not even relevant. True. True. And it's, I will, yeah. I'll tell you one other thing that I think has been really fascinating to me to watch about higher ed is the role of social media. I mean, let's be honest. If you have a complaint, let's say you're on an airline, we say it online. You had a terrible mm-hmm. experience. You send a tweet to whatever airline it is and say, I had a horrible experience. And you hope that the airline's going to write back and give you a free voucher or something. Right. We live in a society that people want and consume information at such a pace. It's it's unbelievable to me how much we consume it. But now we're in an environment where people are influencing others' decisions more so than ever. And it's just by a simple post on a social media platform. So Mm -hmm. where we used to be with social media five years ago, it was kind of one of those things that we just made sure that we had a platform. We were on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. We were there, but we didn't really integrated into the full marketing plan. Mm-hmm. Now it is a lot of our marketing plan. We build a yeah. lot of a plan around social media. So we're very strategic about all of the t- content that goes out um, because we know, especially for different populations, college students are a great example of that. They share the, they're so viral within themselves. They're our best marketing tool if they have a great experience. So why would we not think about leveraging that type of content or that type of platform in a way that really helps build the brand and you know, promote the college and the university. So yeah, it's a fast time. I'm going to tell you, I feel a little like a dinosaur because (laughs) the, the the rate at which marketing is moving, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up in the next five to 10 years. It's a little scary. Yeah. We need like, um, continuing education classes, (laughs) like the same way you have to get like your realtors continuing education. We like marketing. Here's what you've missed. Here's how to make a TikTok. I laugh because I, I, this is my guilty pleasure. I, I don't have an account on TikTok, but I do watch it a lot mm-hmm. because it's just a funny release. But millennials, Gen, X, Gen Zs will complain about boomers, Gen X, I'm Gen X, right? Um, and how long it takes us to do something. And it's so true because I can do something on a spreadsheet and I'm like, God, I, I feel really good about myself. It only took me three hours to do that. And someone from my team who's like super savvy could come in and, you know, they'll do it all and like, five minutes and I just feel archaic. Right. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm not very good with spreadsheets. So (laughs) (laughs) it would probably take me. I think we all have room for improvement with spreadsheets for sure. Yeah. There's so many buttons in there that like they're hidden too. It's like, could you not just put this out in the open? You have to keep secrets. Anyways, that's a whole, that's a whole separate conversation. Separate podcast for spreadsheets. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So you talked about, you've worked in some other positions that weren't in higher ed. Mm-hmm. What do you think is different about working in higher ed than working in another, you know, position? Well, I'll be transparent. I went outside of higher ed about 
eight years into my career because I just wanted to know if the grass was really greener on the other side. You know, could I do things other than the skill set that I that had been using for several years? It was really interesting. It paid a lot more money than higher ed, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I didn't feel like I was doing any good. And for some people, that's not a part of what their mission is when they work. And that's fine. I mean, we, we need people like that, or we don't mm-hmm. have an economy that works. But for me, there were a lot of decisions I felt like I was making or um, the work that I do was doing was not fulfilling. And for me, for, for higher ed, I think anybody working in higher ed can tell you that at the end of the day, it's about the students. And that's what drives them. Even the craziness of the bureaucracy or the budgets and all that other kind of stuff. At the end of the day, you can come back to why am I here and why are we doing this? That always recenters me. For example, we just had graduation this week. It's my by far my favorite time of the year. It's so rewarding to see these students walk across the stage and achieve a milestone that you know that you help them achieve just in the most minutiae of ways, right? Right. They may not even know who I am, but they, but I had a part of making sure that they had a great experience while they were there and that they had all the tools they needed to be successful so they could graduate. And somewhere in my crazy mind, I think maybe I'm helping the greater good of the world by, you know, helping students get through the process of college. Yeah. I don't think that's crazy at all. You know, um, but I'm in the marketing part of it. So some would argue it's not as, not as impactful as say a professor or, um, you know, maybe a student advisor coach or something like that. But I do believe at the end of the day, that's what drives me. And that's what always brought me back to higher ed was the students. Right. I mean, it's like a team though. Every person on the team is important. Like even the person who sits on the bench, if they've got a really good attitude, they're important. The marketing officer is important, even though they're not teaching you, you know. Oh, Cece, maybe I should bring you on over. Jason would like that very much. <laughs> I, agree. I do agree. It does take a team. It does take a full team. And yeah, um, it's just, it's a small part of the process, but. So 15 minutes in now, I want to get started actually talking about podcasting Oh, because that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we're here for. Oops. So when we were coming up with the pool podcast, mm. we weren't really sure you wanted to be the host. You did <laughs> want to be the host, but you weren't really sure that you wanted to be the host because it wasn't something that you had done before. So how has it helped you being the host of this show? And like, what have you learned so mm. far? Uh, podcasts are not for the faint of heart. I will say that, uh, not to discourage people, but there's a lot of work you have to do. And I'm probably a little biased because I, I am the host. I didn't realize I have to do so many, um, outtakes and, you know, some side work, side things that had to be done to get the production. You guys really do all the heavy lifting, but the research, the time it took to research each of the guests and creating the questions I think I was probably super critical of myself the first few times because I I can agree with that. Yes. Right, right. I think I, I felt like I needed to be so perfect and all these things. But I felt as we went on with the season, the better podcasts were the ones where I was personally more comfortable and it was more of a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, podcasts to me, um, I actually, you had the experience of meeting my two friends and our podcast. I yes. It was so fun too. Yes, they're 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 fun. Um <laughs> but uh potential to be amazing. I'll go ahead and give them a shout out. It's a Catholic school priest and a Catholic um school principal and they talk about all things in the world and sometimes they're they get the best of me. But 
That's yeah, let's talk about an off the rails podcast. They, t- talk about that's why it takes yeah. us three hours to get a podcast done. We can't <laughs> even stay on time. I can't even with them. But that got me thinking because we had started that, I guess, a year and a half before the idea of pool came along. And we had tossed it around a little bit at pool. But the thing mm-hmm. that kind of held us back was what, what, what would be our purpose with this podcast? We don't want to do a podcast just for the sake of doing a podcast. Right. I didn't even worry about the production cost because I thought, well, I'll just find a way to pay for it because it's important if we really want to do it. That worked out blessedly. While all this was going on, COVID was starting and we felt as a college that there was a strong need for us to bring the research that our faculty were doing down to consumable nuggets. So the average person could understand what they were doing. And there were a lot of very timely topics that were happening in the world. Um, if you remember, we had the um, the loans that the government was giving. We had um, just small business tax questions that were being asked. So we really felt like there was a niche there. And so we took that concept and we said, well, maybe we could talk about it a little bit more. I mean, we thought one of the things that we do continue to think one of the things we do really well at Pool is engaging industry with academia. Right. And um, business lends itself to that a little bit easier than say like science maybe for sure because you can at least business sounds like it's english most of the time well we all have to deal with it in some sort of capacity right <laughs> yeah um, so that so that made sense so then it was figuring out well who do we want to be on the pod who wants to be on the podcast first we had to get willing people um because mm-hmm. we had never done anything like this before and we didn't know if it was going to be successful and people who believed in the mission of the work that we were doing in the in the college and then we had to figure out, um, we had to keep it going after the first episode. <laughs> yep. So, you know, behind the curtain, we didn't really plan out a full season until we got a couple episodes in to kind of get our, you know, feeling of whether this was going to be something we wanted to continue right. to do. Otherwise, we just wipe it completely. Talk, I mean, it we was never a wham, wham, bam, thank you, man. We tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> so it's been really rewarding because I will tell you, as I'm planning out season two, I've had to do very little asking of, of our faculty. In fact, mm-hmm. almost everybody that is slated for season two, with the exception of, I think, two are new guests. They haven't done an, a podcast yet. So that's exciting. So that makes mm-hmm. me feel like people get it and understand the importance of talking through timely topics. But uh, it's, yeah. And to your point, no, I did not want to be the host. Um, right. Right. But as I kind of started to walk through the process of planning for it, it, it looked like I was going to end up being the host. <laughs> so I, it was a lot. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, my family and friends give me a hard time about it because I think I'm a pretty big deal now that I do a podcast. But Absolutely. They, they, they bring me back down to reality and remind me I'm just who I am. Yeah. It's like I can't go out there with you. They'll uh, they'll see me like I'm I'll just, cause a scene. On I'm kind of a big deal, guys. I'm kind of a big deal. So yeah. step off. <laughs> But it's been incredibly rewarding for me. I will tell you, in my seat at the college, um, I'm very 30,000 foot view level in a lot of things. So I don't get to touch a lot in a very um, in-depth way. And these episodes allow me to kind of step into these different areas of the college that I just knew very little about. So I came away with greater appreciation of the topic at hand the faculty that, you know, were willing to do the episode, I got to know them a little bit better. And some of the guests were just really very cool. I mean, we got Mm -hmm. pretty darn lucky in our first year of a podcast as far as guests go. Definitely. I know that season two, we're going to have to be bigger and better. 
And you and Jason have been so amazing to help me think about strategically, you know, the kind of guests we should be having. We want guests that um, have a great following on social media because then they're able to share mm-hmm. podcasts with their audiences and um, just a lot of little things that I didn't think about the first season. I'm very much in tune with the second season. Yeah, I'm really excited for it to get started. And I I think that learning, like you having the opportunity to talk to these people that you wouldn't normally get to talk to. So like the one's a professor, one's like an alum or somebody in the industry set up it gives you as a marketer a better idea of the the things that the people at the school are doing, which makes all of your other marketing better because you have a much clearer understanding of what it is. Like if you sit and talk to somebody about something for an hour versus you read an article or something about it, it all this it makes a lot more sense if you're going to be able to ask the questions that you want to know the answer to. Yeah. And I'll be honest, some of these topics uh, for example, we had our, I think it was our second episode. It was about taxes. Yeah. I didn't know anything about taxes. No, I, mean, I don't know anything about taxes either. I was researching. I was I was reading a bunch of the faculty research. And then I went to kind of uh, some industry publications. And I was just, just so I didn't sound like an idiot. That's my biggest yeah. fear sometimes coming off as the host is that, you know, your role is to to allow people to talk, but you're also there to kind of guide the conversation. And if you don't, feel like you can jump in and add some value, then mm-hmm. it kind of makes the podcast feel very cold and, and, and stale. So I really was conscious of that, <laughs> but I, I think I, I mean, you sat in all those interviews. I think mm-hmm. I, the ones that I really enjoyed were the ones I was most comfortable with and that's normal, I'm sure, but. Right. And I mean, I tend to approach things though, as I know that there are some people who really like to be prepared. So like the other day you emailed me and you were like, do you have questions for me? I was like, yeah, I have questions. Like they're up here. Um, Here's Mm -hmm. a couple that we might get into, you know, because I like to approach things more from a curiosity standpoint. So like, even if I sound kind of silly and sometimes kind of dumb, that's okay. I don't know shit about taxes. I'm going to be completely honest with you. And a lot of people are out there like me might listen to the show. It's okay that I don't know because I'm going to be in that space to ask the questions that they also want to know the answer to. Yeah. So well, that's, the, that's the purpose of the podcast too, right? right? At least for us, for this topic is to, after 30 minutes, people walk away and they'll go, wow, I did not know that about risk management, or I had no yeah. idea about being an entrepreneur. You fail more than you succeed. So there's those key little pieces that I think are really important. I will tell you, Cece, a goal that I have for this year, and I certainly hope, you know, you and Jason can help us get there is that I think the podcast was really successful last year and we were able to, you know, build awareness that we had it. Mm-hmm. We definitely, you know, grew uh, an audience that wanted to learn more and we have faculty there interested in doing it for the season two. But the other purpose that we set out on the path to do is how we can give this content in a way that students can listen to it as well and learn from it. Right. And I'm sure some of them are listening to the podcast. If they listen to podcasts, like I listen to podcasts, which is when I'm on a run or, you know, I'm in the car for a long period of time, but, but what can we be doing as kind of a production team to make sure that not only is the delivery something that they're going to be able to gravitate towards, but the content is something that they're interested in. Um, so I've kind of added that to the pile of things to think about this year. Um, as we, we kind of have, I feel like we've got our, you know, we're, we're steady now. We have a ground that we can stand on. But mm-hmm. now let's start trying some things that might, 
you know, push us and, and think about our audience reach in the future. I love that. I've already got some ideas. I'm not going to say them all right here, but yeah, I already don't, got some don't ideas. Don't give away your secrets yet. Yeah, we can talk about it later. Yeah, I don't give away my secrets for free. <laughs> That's a smart move, lady. Hold on to that for a long time. Also such a lie. I give away so many secrets yeah. on here for free, but it's fine. We want to help everyone, but I'll tell you all of this later. So I want to ask you, how does, like... I remember when I was working at Carolina, like Carolina's marketing team has specific pillars that Mm -hmm. they need to hit. All of their content has to hit these certain five or six has to fall into one of these buckets. Mm -hmm. How does the podcast fit into your university's marketing plan? Because I think for some people, they think it's like just an extra thing, Mm -hmm. but there is no such thing as an extra thing when you're in college marketing. Like it all has to fit in a specific place. So how does it fit for y'all? Good, great question. So everything that we do in the pool college management, we have strategic goals and objectives. We have five. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we always really try to align ourselves w- with the strategic goals and objectives of the university. It just makes sense for us. Of course. Yeah. And the university just updated their strategic goals and objectives this year. So we're reworking our strategic goals and objectives in pool college. But we do, from an editorial standpoint and a content development standpoint, look at everything that we do. Does it fit into one of these five buckets? And the podcast is really under the umbrella of our Pool Thought Leadership Initiative, which is mm-hmm. what I mentioned before, really taking the, the topics and the, the research that our faculty are doing and presenting it in a way that is um, consumable by anyone. And so the podcast really aligns with that. And it you know probably could even stretch to to cover some of the, um, our strategic goal and objective around research, because we do talk mm-hmm. about research so much. So yes, you are correct. There is nothing that we don't do that doesn't have some sort of goal or, or, you know, objective to it. Right. And what is the most interesting thing on one of those topics? I'm going to start here first. I'm going to ask you a very similar question after this that you learned. So like, we've talked about so many things, like you said, taxes. I remember we talked about the supply chain. Like what of all of those topics do you think has stuck with you? Mine is more personal. Um, okay. The podcast with, well, I, I would say probably the Cindy Eckhart podcast, which was our very first one on entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, she is just, she's a rock star when it comes to female mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. The pink CEO. Um, the pink CEO, right? And she yes. just loves it like it is. And I love that. I would say her and Vivian Howard, I left with both of those conversations with with two key takeaways. I'm someone that by the time I retire, whenever that is, I would like to be doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I listened to them and kind of took away some some things. But the two things I took away from them the most was um, curiosity is not a bad thing that it's always good to ask the questions more than not ask the questions. Right. And then also I just love the fact that they both emphasize the fact that you will fail. You will fail. And you most likely will fail many times. It's what you learn from those failures and how you can apply them to your next goal is really what's mattered. And if you think about the two of them and and, in their stories, I don't want to give it away because hopefully people will tune into the Yeah, go listen if you want to hear it. (laughs) <laughs> we don't give away things for free. We don't give here. away things for free, as Susie said. <laughs> um, but basically, they both were um, really pioneers in their industries and you know, had a lot of no's and had a lot of bumps in the road, but that did not deter them, which is kind of, I'm allowed to say this, it's kind of badass, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Just, 
just persevered. They surrounded themselves with people that believed in what they did and they went for it. And Mm -hmm. that for me was incredibly powerful, but I also just love the fact that they're women and they're crushing it in their industries and Mm -hmm. um, they don't really care what anybody thinks. They're just doing it. And that's awesome. Yeah. Representation like that really matters. Because I think for a lot of people, when they think about business, they think about men in suits. And so when you see a woman in a suit instead, it's it sticks with you. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And as a mom, you know, we're in a time now where women are just expected to do it all and everything that we do. Right. Yeah. And I think during Vivian's podcast, she talked, she, she was very vulnerable on that podcast, if you remember. And she talked a lot about the challenges of COVID and how hard it was on her and her husband and the children. And I just felt like there was a lot of humility there. And she showed that, look, yeah, I'm the chef and I have these restaurants and everything, but you know, I'm a mom too. And I have all the things about being a mom that are just as hard. And so that really spoke to me probably more than a lot of the others, but man, we taught, we covered a lot of cool stuff this past season. And so I feel like, um, I would love for everyone to listen to all the episodes but mm-hmm. there's something in there for everyone. You know, we covered everything from uh, diversity and inclusion. We did talk about supply chain. We talked about COVID and the impact on the supply chain. Um, gosh, I mean, we we covered just about everything. And we got to speak to the chancellor, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he liked you, CC. I mean, we <laughs> yes. talked here and guitars the whole time. But um, yes, definitely. That was definitely a privilege to be able to sit down with him in the midst of all the chaos of what was happening on campus and and kind of listen to their perspective. But I will say kind of towards the end, if you remember this, we started getting into a pattern where we would ask people if they could go back to being 21, 22, Mm -hmm. around that junior, senior year in college, what advice would they give themselves? And I loved every single answer we got from all the guests because there was a consistency there. Most of it was like, just go for it. Don't be scared. That was kind of the theme for all of them, but they all have Mm -hmm. different different lenses to look from. And it was just really neat to hear them talk about it. And I think the question caught them off guard. Um, and it made right. them stop to think, Oh God, I didn't want to go back to when I was 21, but okay, I'll go back to when I was 21. And here's what I was thinking. And so that was really fun. I mean, I think that might be one that we keep in uh, season two. Well, I don't think we ever asked you what, if you had to go back to being 20, 21, 22, what advice would you give yourself? That it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. You know, from a type A, uh, you know, anal retentive person that always has to feel like her life has to be in order. This is probably way more personal. You want to know, like all my friends were getting married. I never thought I was going to get married. I thought I was going to be this old maid Uh, (laughs) in the job that I wanted to be in. And you know what? It all took care of itself. Mm -hmm. It wasn't always a straight path to get there, but it did. And I would probably, I would probably look at my 22 year old self and say, chill out. And enjoy the ride. And probably I would tell myself, take a few more risks. Yeah. I think that's really great advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, I I mean, I feel that now being so young, like people getting married and like doing all these different things. And I'm like, well, comparing myself to these other people, then you just can't do that. Like everybody's path is different. Everything works out as it is. I, however, would probably tell myself, um, wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get vaccinated early. Yeah. Well, um, I want to ask you now, what have you learned as a podcast host, like technically from doing this podcast? Because you've, you know, you've produced one, but you haven't spoken on one before. Mm. Um, Listen more, talk less. 
I'm not very good at that, as you can tell with this. Book. I'm not very good at it either. <laughs> I like to talk. I have, I have I have something to say about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think that's consciously something I will do. But gosh, the the importance of having good equipment, sound is key, and the importance of taking my time. A lot of times I would rush through these um, post production pieces of work for you guys. And when I would listen to it on the final episode, I know you guys are so gracious. You're like, it's fine. It sounds great. I listen to myself. I'm like, oh, I would have just like taken the time, slowed right. it down a little bit. But I, I tell people all the time that um, podcasts are fun. They're really fun. And I think there's so many different uses for it. I love listening to them. I listen to some of the most random stuff on podcasts and you can really learn some really cool things. But Um, I think for us and for where we are at the college, I just think this is really complements the work that we're doing in the thought leadership space. And so it's appropriate and it's a lot of fun. And and as long as the college doesn't fire me as the host, I'll stick around. (laughs) Um, But if somebody wants to come along and do it, they can do it. I tell them, I'm like, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I want to go back to what you were saying about when you would hear yourself and we would tell you like, oh, it's fine. It was. I don't tell people that things are good if I don't think they are. So, (laughs) yeah. So it was definitely good, but nobody likes to hear their own voice. Like nobody likes it. It's because it doesn't like, it doesn't sound the same way it does in your head. Mm -hmm. And you're like, literally, who is she? Like, why does she sound like that? Can I just tell you how many times? So, so the audience knows kind of the way that our our process goes is that we record the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I was too ambitious last year. And I tried to front load all of our podcasts and then we like produced them later and let them go. I'm not doing that this year. I want to have more real time, but mm-hmm. we would, we, we, we would do the podcast and then we would, you know, you guys would go back and do the production, edit it. And then I would do some voiceovers for intros and send them to mm-hmm. you guys. And then you would send me the final file and I would listen to it before I gave it a thumbs up. And before I sent it to the guest, can I tell you how many times I wanted to stop it when I was listening to it? Right. Or I would say, tell the host to shut up. She needs to stop talking <laughs> so many times. And by the time I got to the last two or three of the season, I was like, this is painful for me to listen to. Right. So then I started second guessing myself too. I'm like, do other people feel this way when they listen yes. to podcasts? <laughs> or yes. people that are listening for the first time, they're like, she's really not good. Like, why do they have her as a podcast? They don't think that. I can promise but, you that. But you have to get past a lot of that and just, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, you're right. Nobody likes to listen to themselves. No, you're, I mean, you're definitely your own worst critic for sure, all for sure. the time. And like when I was younger, I used to have a really, really strong Southern accent. And I got, as I got older, I tried to get rid of it because I was working in like journalism. So mm-hmm. I got rid of that completely. But now I catch myself self saying some words and I'm like, I can't believe I talk like that. Like, how do, how do I have friends? Like, <laughs> why do, is it, anybody want to listen to me speak? And I won't shut up either. No, and no. like, you start to feel bad about yourself. And then you realize, well, wait, I just did this really cool thing. A lot of other people couldn't do this the way that I can. And I'm really good at this role because like, you have to just remind yourself, like nobody else is thinking the things that you think. Well, there's also a little bit too, there's a little bit too, that there are some people out there, let's face it, that their voice is really annoying. That is so true. That's I have so started true. podcasts before where the, the subject looks amazing. The, the, yeah. the, I'm like, I get into it. And I'm like, I, I, I can't listen to this. This person's your worst voice fear. is driving me nuts and I have to stop it. So I hope I'm not that way with anybody. I mean, I don't think you are, Cece. You have a beautiful voice. Thank you. Yeah. Not everybody's going to like you all the time. No, no. 
No. You just have to realize that and get over True. it. True. Well, this turned into a um, it went from life story marketing to pool to inspirational to this is this what is happens what... when Jason leaves us by ourselves. Exactly. But it's kind of fun over here. Do you have any like final thoughts? Any things that you think this is my journalism major coming out? Any things that you think I should have asked you that I didn't ask you or just anything you want to add? No, I think you did great. I mean, I didn't even think I was going to talk about myself really that much. So I feel Mm -hmm. a little greedy, but um, no, I thought you asked great questions. And, you know, my hope out of the CC one is that people will um, take the leap and do a podcast. Definitely. I hope I didn't scare people by saying it's too much work. It's not that much work. It's just, I think people have a perception that you record it and then it's done. Yeah. They don't understand what you have to do behind the scenes and then, you know, but right. it's definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. And Jason and I are here to help make it a little bit easier. Oh, I tell people so, all the time. I'm like, if Airfluence was not a part of this process, we would not be doing a podcast. There's no way that we could do it as well as you guys do it. You think of everything. Um, and I love the fact that you send us the analytics. There's just, there's a lot of the pieces that I don't have time for. That's why it's so great for you guys. You let us come on, you let us talk, and then you take it. And I never even have to think about it again until you ask me to approve it. And so I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, thank you. We're going to use this as a testimonial now. (laughs) Happy to do that. Happy to do it, always. Well, so everyone, if you want to go listen to the Pool Podcast, you can go and find it on any place that you like to listen. Um, and you can follow NC State Pool. I'll let you say the handles, Chief Marketing yep, Officer. at NC State Pool. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today, Jenny. Yeah, this was really fun. Me. Yeah, I I enjoyed going a little bit crazy. It was a little bit a little bit of fun. You know what? It makes it authentic. Yeah, and it's the Friday. We're recording this. This will come out in January. That's right. And it's the Friday before the holidays, and we might be a little giddy about that. So that's okay. Exactly. And then Jenny's <laughs> going to be gone. He's Where are you? Little... Sitting next to a Christmas tree, drinking hot chocolate. Little spiked hot chocolate, baby. <laughs> I love it. Well, if you are interested in full service podcast production, you can visit earfluence.com. Um, I'm Cece Huffman, and thanks for listening to the Earfluence podcast. <laughs>